Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 279. And I am alongside, virtually of course, uh, my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell. How are you, Amanda? Uh, doing good, as always. How are you doing, Ralph? Pretty good, pretty good. We're recording here late on a Friday Eastern time, so it's <laughs> almost TGIF here. And we're <laughs> really excited for our guest here today. David Vogelpohl, I did pronounce it, I think, correct, who is the VP of Growth at WP Engine. And we're really excited to have him on today because we're going to be talking about something that we have discussed throughout the lifetime of this show. But I think David's insights on converting and compelling content, you're going to learn a lot here. So make sure that you take out your uh, Evernote file or your old legal pad and jot down some notes here today because we're getting really heavy into converting and compelling content and how you actually do it, why it's so important. And uh, David is an expert in that over at WP Engine. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic, David. Thanks for having me. So the first thing, I guess, is my question for you and maybe the question on our Perpetual Traffic listener's mind is, why does compelling content actually matter? Most of the people who listen to this show care about conversions, like at the end of the day, selling stuff online, converting and getting traffic, obviously, but compelling content, like what's your take on it? Why is it so important? Give us a little bit of a rundown on that. Yeah, it's an interesting question, but really as I think about it and as I think about how brands are trying to drive conversions, I know people spend a lot of time worrying about the design. I've done a lot of A-B testing in my 20 years in digital. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, 80% of the time we're wrong. And 80% of the time uh, we're not getting to that right answer quickly. But when I do get to the right answer, at least in my experience, it ends up that words are, in, are the most powerful weapons in CRO. Changing your copy, telling a better story, or maybe, I guess, changing your price are kind of the two biggest things you can do, <laughs> right? Exactly. That, right, That's Amanda? copy, though, too, right? But those are usually the things. Like if you're selling something, you can add more to what you sell, you can lower the price, or you can describe it differently. Like these are the ways I think about it. And usually the copy wins. If I think about that through like my job at WP Engine, so for those unfamiliar, WP Engine is a WordPress platform. We provide managed hosting. We also own some other brands like Flywheel, which also does manage WordPress hosting. And for those unfamiliar with what managed hosting is, basically what it means is that we specialize in WordPress and there's other companies that also do this. But what we focus on is helping our clients keep their WordPress servers up to date and then making sure WordPress is up to date, PHP is up to date. By sake of example, something like 30% of all WordPress sites have up-to-date PHP and like 100% of WP Engine sites do. 
We also focus on things like performance, fine-tuning the servers, helping our customers with their sites to make sure they're as performant as possible. And out of that comes a faster website. So when you go to sell this on a landing page or a product page or a plan selection page, you have to describe the things within it, right? You have to describe how big the servers are and how (laughs) fast the things are and how the audits work and things like this. You have to describe it in like very specific terms. And, but when I look at what we sell as a managed hosting platform, and I look at why our customers buy it, ultimately, they're not buying it because of the servers. They're not buying it because of the PHP updates or the WordPress updates or the support that only focuses on WordPress and knows the answer to your question when you ask it. They're not buying it for that like ease of use. They're buying it because for them, it's a way to grow right? Who spends more on a web host than you might be able to spend on like a cheaper host? Why did you do that? Why did you want that faster website? Why did it matter that your idea got to market faster? Because you had tools that assisted you in doing that. What they're buying it for is to grow. And so as I think about how we market the WP Engine platform, I can give you the speeds and feeds. And if you happen (laughs) to know how to interpret them, maybe that's cool and maybe you'll buy. But if I really want you to buy it, I need to connect it back to something that is uh, tied to how you're trying to grow, how it's assistive in that mission that you have. And this is why I think it's important to build compelling content because speeds and feeds can describe the thing but you really need to be capturing, delivering value, delivering information. And then if you're marketing something, providing a path back to how your products can help them with that mission. And so words are the most powerful weapon in in CRO, but I think you have to build a compelling story for that to work. It's interesting because you say so many people are focused on design. And I think one of the comments that you made in pre-show is like, it's not about, you know, the color of your button. It's about what you actually say. And I think people do get caught up in design so much of it because it's the visual element, but it's not necessarily the converting element or the compelling element that ends up powering the conversion, which is really interesting. And we're rereading as a as an agency Don Miller's book on the story brand. And <laughs> like that is throughout the entire theme. So having you on the show right now is really connecting with me and hopefully with the rest of the team here at Tier 11 who's, who's reading the book. But it is all about words yeah. at the end of the day. Obviously, we're not a video podcast, but I'm aggressively nodding my head right now because I feel like that's something that Ryan Dice has preached for so long and learned from Donald Miller, like you said, Ralph, in terms of like copy is the number one thing that's going to be able to convert on any landing page or going to be able to provide enough value so that you can build that brand recognition and trust and then move people to the next stage of the funnel. And that's what at least Ryan has preached for such a long time of like, it's copy first, it's copy first. And we recently had our paid media manager actually on the show last week. And he said we were chatting about his interview process. And one of the questions we asked was, hey, do you remember that question that we asked you when we asked you to rank what's most important in a Facebook ad? Is it the copy, the audience, or the design? And we laugh because we're like, we hired you because you said copy. (laughs) (laughs) Got it right. If you had said something else, it would have been a little shaky. Yeah. And make no mistake, I think at least from my perspective, design matters. But I think where a lot of people get wrong in A-B testing is like, we have blue buttons, we're going to make them orange. And then all of a sudden we're going to make a bunch (laughs) more money. Like most people don't have 
enough traffic to dis- to differentiate those kind yes. of changes on their site. Amazon does. Um, they can test that kind sure. of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting, I think it's a book or article called 50 Shades of Blue that discusses yes. the same dilemma <laughs> that Google had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good design, which I know will actually probably lead into the next point that we want to talk about today in terms of creating that content that converts, but design also helps you consume the content. So while the content is providing the value, it's that like, obviously a good design that's going to be able to present it appropriately to your customers so that they'll convert in a way that you want them to. And hopefully the design is optimized for speed, which is what we were going to talk about next, because I totally agree with this, that speed is key. It's especially when it comes to search engine optimization. If you have a slow site or people aren't able to read your you know, content immediately, they're going to click away. And it's so important. I often like to think of web design as the balance between suffering and joy. (laughs) I'm going to add some joy by adding a big old image and I'm going to add some suffering at the same time because I'm going to make that page load a little slower. (laughs) Um, Yes. I also think about this in terms of ad inventory on publishing sites. Like the more ad units I place, the more money they make, but the less uh, joy they introduce. From the high level, as I think about speed, there's all kinds of folks things can do to improve their speed. Certainly getting a quality host is one. Obviously, that's one of the things WP Engine spends a lot of time on. Amanda or Ralph, have y'all watched the show Mad Men? Yes. Absolutely. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and of course, you've seen those scenes where they all go out drinking and, and have vivacious times, and then they roll in the office the next day, hungover, <laughs> smoking cigarettes in the office, and they walk into the meeting and give the perfect idea. And it's the, the multi-million dollar idea that's going to make everything perfect. And maybe they worked on it ahead of time, right? But my point <laughs> is, there's no such thing as a perfect idea. There's no such thing as Mm -hmm. like knowing what's going to happen. And so I think what most marketers today do is is not the Mad Men example where they go get drunk and like lob an idea on the website, but rather, (laughs) (laughs) that'd be fun. I wish that worked. Uh, We found out, of course, that doesn't work. Again, I mentioned earlier, 80% of the time when someone sits down to make the conversion rates better. They're not just slapping up a web page just because they have to. They're trying to make the web page convert better. Eight out of 10 times, a designer and CRO person fails at that. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that you have to test quickly. You're going to have to get through nine or 10 tests to find a winner. And that means that if you're trying to be perfect, you're never going to get there. You're going to take too long to do your tests. You're going to take too long to iterate your content. And you're not going to find those winners fast enough to drive meaningful growth in your business. So as I think about speed in terms of content velocity, I think progress over perfection. I think iteration over stagnation. And as uh, someone that I really respect and, and trust once told me, V1 of your thing is the worst version it will ever be. No matter what you release, it's going to be the worst thing you ever do. So in terms of content, progress over perfection, but iteration over stagnation. Don't leave that content alone. Evolve it. Make it better. Learn from the data that the page provides you or your funnel provides you, and then iterate on that over time through A-B tests and other forms of iteration. Done is better than perfect. (laughs) Done is better than perfect. Yeah. I love that. I, we were talking before we hit the record button today and 
we were laughing because I loved the progress over perfection because I felt like it was a different iteration of exactly what we say at Digital Marketer, which is done beats perfect. Just get something out there and then start building upon it, which is just such a, also just such like a classic content strategy in terms of like, building uh, skyscraper content and things like that. You have to build upon what's already been there, but you have to have something there in order to build upon it. So uh, I love that you guys have a different way of saying it and definitely something we're going to continue thinking about at least a digital marketer because it's sometimes you get into that head of perfection. I think it's so easy to think about the different ways you can optimize and think about all the things that you can make better, but it it's such a easy mindset to get into. Well, let me just tweak this one more thing. Let's just push it back one more day when really you just need to get it done and then start to build on what you already have. Not agree more. <laughs> so what kind of tools like for our listeners here? We've obviously talked about the importance of compelling content, speed in the iterating, move fast and break things, which is what Zuckerberg says, but move fast and <laughs> test things is what we say inside tier 11. So what tools do you use to facilitate that? Like, what's your sense? Yeah, so brands have a few choices with WordPress. A lot of folks are familiar with what's called the classic editor. This would mm-hmm. be the version of WordPress that was essentially, uh, it was popular essentially up until 2018 when the new default editing experience, quote, Gutenberg, landed in WordPress. But the classic editor is still around. There's a classic editor block that you can use within WordPress And for those that remember that interface, it was basically a title and then a rich text editor for your web pages. I affectionately called this a Word doc for your website. Um, (laughs) Yep. Yep, right? That editing experience was in WordPress for 15 years, from 2003 through 2018 was the default editing experience, and it had changed very little. We did see plugins, of course, and themes be introduced to the WordPress context, which allowed us to have much more kind of dynamic and rich content building experiences. One of the first things that came into the WordPress universe, which is also a very popular way people will build out content experiences in WordPress admin, in other words, for your writers and editors and yourself to create content, is leveraging what are called custom post types. Custom post types are essentially are like a kind of piece of content. So uh, WooCommerce uses custom post types, by sake of example, for product pages. And custom post types often contain what are called custom meta fields. So in a product's post type sense, you might have the name of the product, the product's images, its price, discounts, things along those, those lines. And that post type is the product and the fields within the product are the custom meta fields. So people will, of course, leverage plugins to create content in all kinds of different ways. I already mentioned WooCommerce, but there's things like the event calendar that lets you set up like event sites and sections of your sites. And then of course, the other great part about WordPress is you can leverage custom post types along with custom functionality if you have a developer. So you don't just have to use the plugins that are out there. You can actually hire a developer, or if you are a developer, uh, they can create a custom plugin that uh, manages content in any way you want. And I think that's really critical to understand is that you're not limited really in the WordPress context because it's open, especially through a developer. You can have however kind of content flow you want, any kind of custom fields you want, And that's a very popular way still today of building a WordPress site. 
Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. The third area that people will leverage are what are called page builder plugins. So these would be things like Elementor and Beaver Builder and things akin to that. And these really embrace the modern building experiences that we see in a lot of content management systems today, where it's this componentized way of building, where you have pre-designed elements of a web page that you can drop into a page and easily create like you might experience on Wix or on Squarespace. Amanda, I see you shaking your head. You've used these things, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're I'm laughing because every example you're giving, I'm like, yep, we, we're, <laughs> we're currently using that for something. We're currently using that for something. We're definitely using that. It's funny because we're like, yeah, we tried that, did that. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think they're, all of these ways are so useful for different forms of content that you're creating. Like each of them we've used for very different pieces of either like Elementor that you mentioned, we use for specifically building different sales pages that we're able to alter. And all of these are, are so good for like the plugins. We obviously have so many plugins for SEO and making sure that we're tracking things appropriately. But yeah, the page builder plugins are great. I'm a big fan of Elementor and Beaver Builder. Mm-hmm. And they were really the first movers in the WordPress space to attack this type of building out pages mm-hmm. and posts within WordPress and have had really rich feature sets, templates, and other things you can use. And so page builder plugins are also a popular choice. And then I mentioned earlier that in 2018, what what is popularly known as Gutenberg, but more accurately described as the block editor in WordPress was released as the default editing experience for posts and pages. Now where the Gutenberg name comes from, for those that are curious, is actually from what's called a feature plugin, where the features of the block editor are tested out ahead of time. But then when it's in WordPress itself, it's called the block editor. So if you want to look cool in front of your WordPress friends, you know, call it the block editor. 
Um, oh, I, definitely going to use that one. I know. Yeah. People, <laughs> every, even today, like when I write something up, I'm like, I'm going to talk about the block editor, parenthetical Gutenberg, because people are still questioning about it like that. But yeah, so what the block editor fundamentally did when it was introduced into WordPress is it broke that 15-year pattern of the default Mm -hmm. editing experience to really deliver what I consider to be a modern site-building experience. So similar to the page builder plugins, which allow this componentized approach to building on a page with pre-designed things and customizations, essentially WordPress core now has that within itself. So now the default editing experience is is closer to these more modern experiences of building a page. One of the benefits of the block editor in WordPress core is that it's completely extensible. You can customize it. You can create custom blocks. You can create custom functionality. There's blocks that come with WordPress itself. There's blocks in directories called, either the main was called the block repo on wordpress.org. Mm-hmm. You can check that out there. And then you can also download plugins that have libraries of pre-designed, pre-optimized blocks. And this is really changing the dynamic in WordPress. WordPress is 38% of the web shooting for at least 50% market penetration, according to Matt Mullenweg, uh, one of the co-creators of WordPress. And this is the objective. Of course, WP Engine's part of that journey. But the block editor is essentially two years old at this point. People are just now popularly using it all the time and really thinking about Really, though, like, how are they going to scale it? How am I going to use this thing in a way that actually gets me to a place where I can get content out quicker, where I can get my ideas to market faster, where I can iterate faster? And so we're really just starting to see the beginning of this. In WordPress history, there are these key moments where technology was introduced, like plugins and themes and custom post types, which you heard me talk about earlier. And at each one of these moments, you see this cambrionic explosion of innovation, new brands, new technologies, entrepreneurs, starting new things, taking advantage of the technology. And it's these really special moments. And Custom Post Types was 2010. This was right before WooCommerce was invented, taking advantage of those capabilities. That's right before WP Engine was founded, (laughs) taking advantage of this growing market in CMS and WordPress and lots of other examples in the ecosystem. So this is one of those moments. This is a moment that we're all in right now. And so what brands and companies and agencies are in the middle of is like, okay, well, how are we going to leverage this tech to do something cool and to drive some meaningful growth in our business? And that's what it's all about is scaling and growing. Like you have to have a site that actually does it alongside your business. So if we're talking about tools here, like let's get into maybe a little bit more on blocks and like your viewpoint of blocks just in general and how our listeners can utilize those. And as you were talking, I'm like, how many of these tools do we actually have inside the tier 11 site? I'm like every single one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph and I are both shaking our heads. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like Elementor is right in there. Yep. So tell us a little bit more about blocks and how that a way in which businesses can help grow. I think the first thing, just practice, just play with it. If you don't have an easy way to test WordPress, go to localwp.com. There's a free piece of software that WP Engine produces called Local. And what it does is it allows you to spin up a local instance of your website or a website on your computer. Now, Local is free to use and you can use all the features within it. And if you're a WP Engine or Flywheel customer, you can also push and pull your site. So 
you can actually pull down a copy of your website onto your computer with one click and then push up your changes when you're done with another click. Amanda, I don't know. Are you technical? Are you like a nerd, like developer type? I am not a developer, but I work on the back end because for simple like SEO purposes. So I understand a little bit of it. I sit over a developer's shoulder a lot. (laughs) Have you ever spun up a version of WordPress on your computer? Have you ever done a local version of WordPress? I haven't. I'm like writing all of these things down. (laughs) I hope everyone has their like pencils out because the entire time we were talking about what we were going to chat about on today's show. I was like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I need to try this. I need to send this to my team. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's been so much development, like you said, I didn't realize it was that point of inflection in 2018. And obviously it's like, I'm going back 15 years. This is how I started in the business is building (laughs) WordPress sites like before there was anything. So (laughs) in the text editor too, yeah, hacking my way through HTML. So So yeah, we'll leave all the links to everything that David mentioned here inside the show notes, obviously for all you guys listening and definitely try this out. So I've never done a local site, like you're saying, so just keep going. Keep What other tools? All the goodies. (laughs) I know. I'm not a developer either. I'm a digital marketer, essentially. I guess pun intended there, Amanda, but part of your tribe there. I know. Local WP makes it super easy. So you just install the software. It's like a piece of software you would install on your computer. It doesn't work on Chromebooks, but Mac and um, Windows. And you can spin up a local version of WordPress and play around. I have multiple little instances in my local WP software where I play around with things and try things out. It's also great for demoing things to clients or like if you're doing live demos as part of some sort of presentation because it's local and stable on your computer. I did mention it does seamlessly push and pull to WP Engine and Flywheel, but if you are hosted somewhere else, you can use the plugin all-in-one migration to migrate your site between the local environment and the live environment wherever your site is hosted. One thing I will, I guess I'll put out here, another great reason to use local is please don't be a Wild West coder. You may also know it as cowboy coding or cowgirl coding. (laughs) Are you a cowgirl coder? God. (laughs) Oh, I hope not. (laughs) You make changes to the live website, Amanda? That's what I do not. No, they know better than to trust me with that. (laughs) All right. All right. Good deal. Occasionally. Yeah, Yeah, I won't deny I've never done it. But yeah, Wild West coding basically refers to making changes on your live website, changing your themes, switching plugins out, installing a new plugin. You really want to do that on a copy of your site. Check with your host if they have staging. WP Engine and Flywheel have that built in. And then if they don't, you can also use, of course, local WP for staging your work. But local WP is also, of course, good for practicing with Gutenberg, the block editor. (laughs) You can spin up a fresh version of WordPress. The places where I like to tell people to start is there are essentially something called core blocks. And these are the blocks that come with WordPress. Now, this is just the start of the story. It's definitely not the end. One of my favorite core blocks for people to play around with is the three-column or two-column block, a four-column block as well, because you can drop other blocks into those columns and you can start to build out different visual elements using the block editor. Primarily, the block editor is used, though, for this notion of like a pre-designed element. And so there are pre-designed elements, if you will, that come with WordPress core as blocks. And then you can also check out wordpress.org and the block repo. And there's essentially a bunch of free blocks that other people have designed and coded that you can also leverage in your site. So these would be the free quote with WordPress options. And that's the first place I probably start playing around with. 
The next thing I'd probably recommend, and you might actually want to start here first, because there are plugins that really take the block editor like a bunch of steps forward that can give you what I like to call magic time machines as you're using the block editor. And the reason I call them magic time machines is what these plugins fundamentally do. And the plugin that WP Engine makes that does these kind of things is called Genesis Blocks. Now, within the Genesis Blocks plugin, there are pre-designed and pre-optimized blocks. And if you have your own development team, like totally copy our model here to like build your own custom plugin to do this for your business. But basically the way that it works is our developers and designers have made a professional looking block that has optimized code for speed, for SEO, whatever the use case is for that particular block. And then instead of only using the core blocks that come with WordPress, you can leverage blocks from the Genesis Blocks plugin that have this kind of pre-optimized, pre-designed, optimized for speed code as you're building out a site. Now, also within Genesis Blocks is something called sections. So a block is like one element on a page, like a testimonial block or a quote block. But a section would be like a whole section of blocks. And we have blocks for things like team member blocks. Like say you wanted to like say our team, then there's basically repeating patterns of blocks for each person in your team. And you can control how many are showed, the color scheme that's used, all the design settings relative to that section of a page. And we have these for like CTAs, pricing grids, all kinds of things um, that you can leverage that are again, pre-designed, pre-coded, pre-optimized, ready to go. And then we also have something called layouts. So essentially, if a block is a piece of a page, a section is a part of a page, a layout's a whole page. So we have homepage layouts and so on and so forth. And what you're able to do in plugins like Genesis Blocks that have these kind of experiences is just click on that thing. And within not even a couple of seconds, a whole page worth of block-based demo content is sitting right there ready for you to edit, ready for you to change the design, ready for you to change the style. And as we talked about earlier, most importantly, ready for you to change the copy. You can customize the order and build the page out how you want just right there with the WordPress block editor. And then the final thing, which we'll be releasing here in the next few weeks is something called collections. So a block is an individual part of a page, sections a part of a page, layouts a whole page. A collection would be like a whole website full of demo-based content. I want the homepage with this specific design. And I want this contact us page with the same kind of design or same design scheme. So it's basically a whole website where the design is all the same for all the different bits and pieces. Now, if you have your own dev team, if you haven't put the pieces together yet, you can do that for your website. You can create your own custom blocks. You can create your own uh, layouts and sections and collections. You might call them something different. That's what we call them. But you can actually do this within your own business. Now, if you have a development team and you want to start creating these custom experiences, these custom magic time machines that are optimized for your business, you have a few options. Now, the bread and butter WordPress developer does not normally know React, which is a JavaScript framework that's used to make a custom block. The normal WordPress developer doesn't know React, but if you have React developers, sick them on your blocks because they can (laughs) feel really comfortable with making a custom block in WordPress. But you don't have to actually use React to make blocks. There's two methods that I'll share with you now that the bread and butter WordPress developer, their skill set fits right in with (laughs) these approaches. 
The first is something called block patterns, where within WordPress and using code, you can piece together multiple blocks that exist within WordPress itself. So say like the title block and the paragraph block and an image block, you can piece those together into a mosaic, if you will. But if you want to do a full custom block, another plugin that WP Engine creates is called Genesis Custom Blocks. And you can find Genesis Custom Blocks and Genesis Blocks on WordPress.org. They're both free. There are paid and pro versions, but the free versions are actually quite feature-rich. And the way that Genesis Custom Blocks works if you're, I'll try to I'll try to keep it as little nerdy as possible. But if you are a nerd, I want <laughs> to talk like to you. We like nerdiness. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're not going to get too deep in the matrix here. Got a lot um, of nerd listeners, so you're yeah. good there. <laughs> yes, I like it. So the way Genesis Custom Blocks works is in the back end of WordPress, what we call WP Admin, you're, there's an interface under the Genesis Custom Blocks menu that says things like create new block. So you click on that button. All three of us here can do that. We're not developers, no problem. (laughs) And then the next step is we need to define the fields in the block. So if you think about a block as a visual design element, there's content, there's color, there's um, other aspects to the block that represent what we would consider in the programming sense, a field. And so in the back end, you say new field, this field's an image, this field's a title, this field's a paragraph, this field's, and there's multiple options. You can choose where the field's displayed for the user when they're editing the block. So is it in the main part of the content area, like the main part of the block itself? Or is it off to the right in what's called the inspector panel area? So features to add to the inspector panel, which are really popular, things like change the background color, change the font color, change this, change that. And so you can choose where the field will appear. When the user gets through creating all the fields then this is why it's a developer tool. So sorry, Ralph and Amanda, like us three, we, we can't go this level. Although I do actually think I probably tackle the coding that's required for, for Genesis custom blocks because it's so easy. But what the co- developer ends up doing is, is creating a CSS file and a PHP file in their theme or a custom plugin that essentially invokes the block to be displayed on the front end. And then they can also add custom PHP to add custom functionality to the blocks. And again, these are, you need, you need to know HTML, CSS, and PHP, a little light PHP. These are things that almost any WordPress developer can do. So that's, if, that, that's another option for you as you think about like, well, how am I going to leverage the block editor in my business where you're thinking like, well, I want to do it my way. And that's the power of WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you get to choose the way it is and you can change your mind later. So if you want to take that journey, you have React developers, they can code them from scratch. You can try out block patterns or check out a plugin like Genesis Custom Blocks. Got it. So you can, obviously you can customize them, but they do, blocks do a lot more than just serve up content. Tell us a little bit more about the intelligence angle of our friend, the blocks. I do want to dispel the myth that blocks are dumb. Oh, any blocks that are listening, we don't want to insult you. Most of the examples that you'll see in the you know bloggers and in the WordPress ecosystem focuses on that design and content velocity aspect of blocks, meaning that I'm going to create beautiful content quickly. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that you also can customize the functionality of those blocks. In other words, you can integrate blocks with other things. One example on the WP Engine website is we have this element of our website called our our news and resources section. And it's available for any of the content users to use. They can drop it in any page where they're um, dropping, they want to drop that element. And that block comes pre-integrated with our other WordPress properties that feed articles to the block. 
So I can, as a content creator, I can drop the block, I can change the title, I can change the design, but the functionality is already sitting right there ready for me to use. So if you have those pages that you're trying to add functionality to, it's not just about scaling your content or scaling your design capabilities by using things like the block editor. It's also about scaling your innovation. Another interesting thing we do at WP Engine with these integrated or custom functionality component approaches is things like co-branding. So if we have traffic that's come from a specific partner, the content creators can drop blocks that either appear or don't appear based on whether someone came from a specific partner or even customize the experience later based on information we might know about the visitor and their journey through the site. So as you think about being a content creator and you're like, oh, I'd love to be able to do this without having to involve the design and and dev team, without having to sit and backlog jail, right? Every marketer knows this, right? Like the design, (laughs) they'll get to it when they get to it, right? You're just stuck in jail. And so by leveraging things like custom blocks that do custom integration, custom functionality, custom experiences for the user and putting that in the hands of those content creators, you're freeing them from backlog jail. And you're also freeing the development teams because Mm -hmm. they don't like helping you with all those landing pages you create all the time. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hate to break it to you. I've run web development teams for many years and we just think of the developers often think of those landing page tickets as, as like soul crushing landing page tickets. Like I want to do something cool, right? I want to make your chuckling, Ralph. I know you probably see that too in your business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so the, at the end of the day, they want to push themselves. They want to do cool things. They want to get their technology in as many hands as possible. And of course, your content team wants the exact same thing. And so by leveraging these componentized approaches to your content management system, and you can do this also sometimes with page builder plugins, but by doing it in the block editor and WordPress core, you have that extensibility, that customization. It's not just about scaling design and content velocity. It's also about scaling your innovation. Absolutely. And testing is A-B testing. We talked about it a couple of times so far. Obviously, this allows you to be able to do this more quickly and maybe not tick off your dev people quite as much. So tell us a little bit about like A-B testing just in general and also how these tools will help facilitate that. So oftentimes with tools that make it easier to build web pages or A-B testing, we often think about the experience of modifying the design. So you use things like Google Optimize or Optimizely or other A-B testing tools. They often will include an interface that essentially overlays your website and even without being a developer, go in and modify the design and copy very easily. Now, this is a little bit of a false flag, though, because you're not really saving time from the organizational perspective, and I'll explain why. I I really think just in general, A-B tests take a long time because they ultimately, a big toll on your organization because they fundamentally introduce tech debt that slows you down. Now, you might be thinking, well, I used that overlay and changed the design and I didn't have to mess with my developer or maybe even my designer. But the problem with that is when you find a winner, what do you do with it, Ralph? What do you do when you find a winner? 
I get, we get the dev team to then reconstruct the page. Typically. That's right. You want to keep your winner, right? You don't want, right. so if you've used these Which tools. pisses everybody off, so. Yeah, that's right. They're like, well, what are you talking about, right? At least you yeah. picked the winner though, Ralph. At least you didn't make them work on the variant you tested, right? Oh my God. <laughs> Throw right. away their dev work? Oh my God. Absolutely. Goodness. So yeah, much 80% drama. 80% of the time being wrong, which yeah. is definitely the case. Yep. And that's another reason those landing page tickets are soul crushing because developers hate to see their work thrown away. And that's what yep. A-B testing is. So when you get this winner that you've used your kind of overlay WYSIWYG editor tool through whatever A-B testing thing you've used, you then need to make that page a permanent web page. In other words, I want to keep my winner. I want to keep those conversion rates. I want to keep making that money. So what you end up doing, or at least what a lot of people end up doing, is setting the percentage of traffic on their test to like 100%. I'm going to send 100% to my B until my development team can code it out and make it a permanent part of my website. This is what I mean by A-B tests take too long and introduce tech debt that slow you down, is that the experience of making the, the new thing was fast, but making it a permanent part of your website can be slow. Slow, right. Yeah. And so the the way I think about the block editor in this context is the block editor makes it easy to build a new experience, try a new idea, try new copies. You can duplicate a page or a post. You can tweak the copy. You can tweak the design very quickly with the WordPress block editor. Now, what it doesn't do, of course, is it doesn't split your traffic. You can still use Google Optimize. You can still use Optimizely to split your traffic, but leverage the block editor to build the page. And the advantage of this is that when you have your winner, you just keep the page you already built. You don't have to create that ticket for the dev what an team. Idea. Yeah. They might like you more, Ralph. It sounds like they sometimes give you a hard time over these dev asks. They do, but that's okay because I pay their salaries, but they still don't like it. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm sure, as you all know, that if you you know remove these obstacles to your development team, that frees them up to do other cool things that might drive growth in your business. So I'm a big fan of using uh, building out a duplicate version of the page using the block editor, mm-hmm. running the tests with Google Optimize or Optimizely or whatever to split the traffic. But then when I have my winner, then fine, I already have my page. It's already built. I'm, I'm out. I'm ready to go. I'm moving a lot quicker. Again, speed is key with A-B testing. The other benefit of this approach, so if you've ever used those overlay kind of editor experiences and A-B testing tools where you visually change it through like a WYSIWYG and then you run the test. Ralph and Amanda, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know we haven't talked about this at all, but do you know what happens when you go to the B when you've used one of those tools like that? Have you ever seen what happens? It never quite looks right. It rebuilds itself, doesn't it? Like looks one way and then it looks another way like half a second later. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Right. It's so annoying. And I I call that the JavaScript flicker. So what's happening most Yes, yes, the JavaScript flicker. Once you know what it is, you're like, ah, oh, I hate that thing. Yep. <laughs> and the reason we instinctually hate it, of course, is because you look at the page and then half a second or a second later, the page looks different. It's, it's mm-hmm. unsettling, right? It just mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. And when we look at things like the way page speed influences uh, your conversion rates, and we know a faster site has less bouncing visitors, converts at a higher rate. This is one of the big pitches that WP Engine uses to try to get people to use our platform. But when you see this JavaScript flicker that's interrupting the experience for the visitor and causing a visual and unsettling way of loading the page, 
I wonder if this is why 80% of Bs fail to beat the A because they have to deal with the JavaScript flicker. Right. Yeah. And your, yeah, your A doesn't have to repaint itself is how we might refer to it um, from like a web development perspective. It doesn't have to repaint like the B does to get your changes in there. It usually just kills the page load speed anyway. Like whenever you do it, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it makes the page load slower and it's visually unsettling. But if you build two unique pages and just redirect the traffic between the A and the B, your B may still load a little slower because of the redirect, but usually that's not a big problem. But they'll be loading on two pages that neither one of them have the JavaScript flicker. Makes sense. I think that ties in with what we had discussed earlier is just speed of iteration. And, and obviously page load speed is important. And we do probably four or five analyses of ad accounts and websites every single week. And it's typically, we use the Google tool to figure out page load speed. Yeah. It's always abysmal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's worse on mobile, especially if they're running you know, 90% of traffic that at least we run through an agency is, is on mobile traffic. It's like 20%, 12%. Ah. It gets like horrible. Like getting sweats hearing that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just so horrible. Like they're paying double for the clicks because oh. the page never actually loads and nobody actually sees the page or at least half of them don't. So this is a big deal for speed, but also speed of iteration of testing and making sure that even though 80% of the time you're going to lose anyway, you're not going to be as smart as you thought you were. But testing fast is part of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think as I think about the the page speed part, that's an insidious thing, I think, for a lot of websites. I think first and foremost, I mentioned earlier, use things like local WP to try out changes to your site, like installing mm-hmm. plugins, uninstalling plugins, those kind of things. As you make changes to your site, run a speed test, see <laughs> what you yeah, introduced. Yeah. Right, Again, right. it's the balance of suffering and joy. As you add things, sometimes it makes it slower. So test as you change is definitely a big thing that I think a lot of people miss. It, it, uh, speed optimization is not a one-time project. It might be to get your site in shape, but <laughs> over time, you're going to be introducing new things. You need to keep testing that performance. And then the other reason it's insidious is that it can affect things like your search rankings. Google has data on both the, what uh, is their view of your page speed and also the quality of your code. If you go to page speed insights they'll give you a score like i have mm-hmm. a 10 or a 90 or a 20 yeah. that score yeah. is a mix of how fast it took your site to load but also what they think of your implementation of your site in other uh, words right. it's scoring your code and if you want your boss to say yes to a speed optimization project show them a google page speed insight report and say see what google thinks of our speed and they'll be like oh my goodness we need to go do this right away That's exactly what i did <laughs> It worked really well. Let me tell you, that got prioritized. I got to the top of the list when I did that. Yep. Bump it right up. Thank you, Google. So that's uh, if you're an agency, that's a great trick for winning uh, client business as well. But so that's the that's what we would consider to be the lab view of your website, meaning a server someplace scanned your site, came up with opinions, and gave you information back. Now, of course, the implication is that it's Google. It will like you know likely affect your search rankings. And so that's ultimately, of course, what gets those stakeholders uh, involved. Mm-hmm. But the other side of page speed is the actual user experience. In order to view this, really what you need to understand is how your specific visitors see 
your page speed for them. And for some people, this is a big deal. Like certain cities can have different download speeds, certainly different countries and states and so on and so forth. And even what ISP they connect to can have an effect on their download speed. So one of the things I like to do is to go to Google Analytics and there's page speed metrics that you can run custom reports on. And if you run the report for, I think it's called ISP name or ISP, then you can see what ISP people are on, what geography they're on, and you can get a sense for like what they're downloading the speed site at in terms of site speed. And then the other thing I like is something called webpagetest.org. It's a technical-ish tool, but there's something in it called Filmstrip View. And instead of just seeing scores and numbers, you can take the slider back and forth and see what your website looks like at 10th of a second intervals. So instead of trusting what the tool tells you your site loaded in, you can just drag it back and forth and be like, oh, okay, it actually does look visually complete at one second. It just didn't load this one button over there. And that's okay for me for some reason. Speed speed and growth are the two things that I think our listeners here are all after. So this is all... Uh, super helpful and useful. Obviously, there's a company that you work for that might help with some of these things over at WP Engine. Maybe, not to possibly. get pitchy here, but come on. I know that obviously we use your stuff. <laughs> so I didn't realize too. I didn't realize Flywheel was a part of like we actually run one of our main sites on Flywheel. So oh, uh, we're big believers in what you guys do. So tell us maybe a little bit about WP Engine, what you guys do, and uh, if listeners do want to learn more, where can they actually find you and potentially some tools that we mentioned here on the show. We'll obviously mention all the, the free ones, but also what we can get over at WP Engine. Uh, yeah, for those that are unfamiliar, WP Engine is a WordPress technology company. There are several platforms and technologies within the WP Engine suite of solutions. So there's the WP Engine hosting platform, which you can experience at wpengine.com. WP Engine's focus is primarily on performance, stability, and security with WordPress sites. You heard me talk earlier about how we help keep people keep their version of WordPress up to date. We help them keep their version of PHP up to date. The, I know you may not know what these things are, but these are areas where you could have security holes. If you have, I mm-hmm. uh, forget the version number, I think it's P, PHP version 7.2 or lower, you have an unpatched version of PHP. That means if someone discovers a vulnerability in that version of PHP, it's not going to be patched and your site is susceptible to hacking. So fundamentally, these are some of the aspects of the platform. But again, as I talked about, like, why do people buy it? They buy it because they want to have a faster website. They don't want to have to deal with interruptions to their business, like getting hacked or dealing with downtime. Mm -hmm. And they're focusing on growth. We also acquired a company called Flywheel. Thank you for your business there as well, Ralph. Um, Flywheel is another managed WordPress hosting provider that we acquired and has wonderful solutions, particularly for agencies. If you're looking to build monthly recurring revenue in your agency, Flywheel has a product that's in alpha right now, which will be general availability early 2021 that allows you to resell not only the hosting aspects of Flywheel with a customized billing interface for your customers, but also other products and services within your repertoire. So if you're not adding MRR to your agency, (laughs) it's definitely uh, something you should look at. Um, But Flywheel also has those managed hosting products uh, similar to WP Engine. There's another product we have called Local, which you've heard me mention a few times here today, a local development solution for WordPress. Really, really accessible, super helpful for developers. But if you're not a developer and you want to try out running WordPress on your local machine, a lot of advantages to that, localwp.com. 
And then the last one uh, you heard me also talk about as well, uh, WP Engine acquired a brand called Studio Press. Uh, Studio Press makes a variety of products. The ones I mentioned here today were Genesis Blocks, which you can find on wordpress.org or studiopress.com forward slash Genesis Blocks, and then Genesis Custom Blocks. And these are plugins designed to help people build better sites faster with the WordPress block editor. So definitely, definitely check it out. WPEngine.com, flywheel.com or local.com. No, nobody should be not having managed hosting at this point in time. I remember when it sort of became a thing and they're like, eh, and then all of a sudden we got hacked. I'm like, oh my God, we need managed hosting. <laughs> Mayday. <laughs> yeah. So it's firmly embedded in my brain. It's like, mm-hmm. pay for it. Don't just like mm-hmm. go it alone and host it with GoDaddy or whatever. Like you gotta invest in it. It's your business and uh, a website being down or being hacked is unacceptable at this point in time, especially when there's so many great solutions. Obviously, WP Engine is a great one here. Most customers that end up buying WP Engine are trying to drive growth. And so that's why they choose a platform like that uh, or like us. And so just look at that lens um, through your business as you think about like what, what what's important to you. Is it important to you to save a little bit of money or is it important to you to spend your time trying to do things in your business that will drive growth, like iterate and scale your content? Yeah. <laughs> or just for peace of mind, too. Yeah. It's like it's one less thing to worry about, like how many of my plugins are updated or you know, do I have a security breach like you're talking about? And it, once you're hacked, you never want to be hacked ever again. If you follow tech news and things like that, you always see these really like sensational word, uh, blog posts. It's like 100,000 WordPress sites got hacked or a million or something like that. At the root of that usually is a plugin that had a vulnerability in it. And (laughs) usually, and keep in mind, having vulnerabilities in software isn't the end of the world. Your iPhone has vulnerabilities in it every year that are discovered and patched. The operating system on your computer, your Roku TV, multiple security patches a year. The reason why you see these articles is because WordPress is 38% of the web, so it's really popular to write about. What you, is sometimes mentioned in the articles and sometimes not, that that vulnerability probably already had a patch to it. So for those unfamiliar with the way security works, a researcher discovers a vulnerability, what we call a good actor, and then they secretly tell the software provider, this is called responsible disclosure. And then the software provider patches it, and then they publicly announce that they had a vulnerability, but they patched it. And then the security researcher goes out and says, I'm so cool because I was the one that found that thing. And they get more consulting revenue or product revenue if they work for a product company or whatever the thing is they're trying to get PR for. So most WordPress sites, when they're hacked, it's because they didn't update their plugins. Perfect. And if people want to connect with you, Yeah, Twitter is always a great way to connect, at WP David V. Well, this has been awesome. We went long because I think the content here is tremendous. And we sort of forget about this all the time. If you don't have a functional and fast website, like with all this traffic we've been talking about for 200 plus episodes, kind of doesn't really matter. So we should have had you on the first like 20 episodes, David, probably. But uh, tremendous for having (laughs) you on here. And also... uh, everything that we mentioned here and there was a lot you know not necessarily for the dev geeks but for people that are just running businesses just in general whether you're an agency running traffic for a customer or building websites on your own or your business uh, that has a website chances are you probably do if you're listening to this show check out all the resources that we mentioned here in the show notes and last but not least check out wp engine where uh David is from. Thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic. This has been tremendous. Thanks, Ralph. And Amanda, until next week, see ya. 
You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.